And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, real man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the Next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Parasite. To be young, gifted, and black, we all know what it's like to be told that there is not a place for you to be featured. Yet you are young, gifted, and black. We know what it's like to be told to say there's not a, a screen for you to be featured on, a stage for you to be featured on. We know what it's like to be the tail and not the head. We know what it's like to be beneath and not above. And that is what we went to work with every day. Because we knew not that we would be around during award season or that it would make a billion dollars, but we knew that we had something special that we wanted to give the world, that we could be full human beings in the roles that we were playing, that we, cre we could create a world that exemplified a world that we wanted to see. We knew that we had something that we wanted to give and to come to work with every day and to solve problems with this group of people every day with this director that is something that I wish all actors would get the opportunity to experience. If you get to experience that, you will be a fulfilled artist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 209 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Time of recording is 1035 a.m. on Sunday, August 30th, 2020. Here to join me today, I have Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Baer. Good morning. Uh, this is actually, um, so a lot of people may not know this necessarily, but uh, September 1st of 2016 is actually when NBP went live uh, for the first time ever. So with this episode, we're actually celebrating uh, four years of Next Best Picture. And I, I had like this whole plan in terms of how we were going to do this episode. And um, I, I, I was really, really excited uh, about it. Still am for a couple of different reasons, but uh, we had some very tragic news happen on Friday, and uh, we want to definitely take a moment uh, to acknowledge the career legacy and the work of Chadwick Boseman, who unfortunately passed away on Friday due to a four-year uh, long fight with colon cancer, which I, I think that some of us might have known somewhat subconsciously that he was sick um, due to some of the weight loss photos that we saw of him online. I, I, It's very, very clear that he kept it private and did not share that information uh, with people within the industry, unless if they were uh, probably very, very close to him. And so for a lot of people, this is, uh, you know, obviously quite devastating uh, to, to lose an actor like this in the prime of their career, uh, Black Panther being such a cultural phenomenon and him leading uh, that movie. 
really, really catapulted him to A-list status. And it's very, very clear that he still had so much left to give us. And we're, we are going to be getting one more final performance from him from the Netflix movie Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, uh, co-starring Viola Davis uh, later this year from Netflix. But he leaves behind a very dignified, classy, and powerful filmography uh, that while unfortunately very short, there's a there's a lot of content in there, and um, it's his, his impact is really really immeasurable. So I, I wanted to definitely uh, take a moment to uh, talk about uh, the impact of Chadwick Boseman. So please, everyone, uh, share some thoughts. Not since John Cazell has there been an actor who has made such an impression in such a short period of time. What this guy did with his seven years of starring or you know supporting roles. It's just incredible. You played everyone from Jackie Robinson to James Brown to Black Panther and then had that become some cultural sensation unlike anything we've ever seen. It it was incredible. And to hear this news on Friday night totally caught me off guard. I was stunned, saddened, shaken to my core. This guy had so much more to give. And it is just a tragic, tragic loss. But thank goodness we have, you know, seven years worth of performances to dive into and just remember how incredible he was. Yeah, uh, I I gotta be honest that this news really, <laughs> this one hurt in a way that has not really happened in a while in terms of a celebrity death. And I think when you also consider that he had been sick for a number of years and that he still continued working and wanting to contribute so much he could to his art and and the culture around him, it's it's such a like inspiring thing to think about and it's like so incredibly difficult. And I think when you take in that context, it really just becomes so much more miraculous that he was able to do all of that. And, you know, he was such a, not only just such a great actor, but just that he recognized the impact that he had on people around him and the communities around him. And that is so touching and to lose that at, such a young age and such and so unexpectedly is very difficult. Um, but as you said, Michael, that we have the work that he left that was so incredible, and there's still you know another performance coming down the pike later. I think we're always going to be celebrating what he gave us, even though he had so much more to give. Yeah, it was. I was really taken aback when I I heard the news because he was so young and i know that's not an age that we typically think of as young but he did and he always had this energy to him even when he was just doing interviews that spoke to a vivaciousness and love of life that i just really really i i the world is a lesser place without it i i can't there's nothing else to say it's really something to because there's been a lot of posts on social media uh, since the news broke uh, Friday evening and uh, there's been a lot of interviews uh, a lot of video footage where people are reading a lot into uh, some of his answers to some questions during Q&A's or um, I, 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 I think you know to Josh's point the fact that he was sick all this time battling stage three colon cancer, which advanced to stage four and none of us knew it, you know, you know, he, he, he had to have known 
the impact and the legacy that he was leaving behind with playing these iconic roles and uh, real life historical figures or fictionalized in the case of T'Challa and that that it just like the strength and the determination uh, to be able to do that is something that I think is just so incredibly inspiring and yeah I, I mean it really it really shook me uh, it really 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 shook me I think it shook all of us we were all in a state of shock uh, that evening when the news uh, broke out and you know like like we've said before there have been other celebrity deaths that have hit us hard before but this one just has that added effect of years and years of going on those press tours, uh, having to get in ridiculous physical shape for some of these roles or whatever other hardships that we don't know about that he was going through all the while having to go through chemo and operations and everything else in between. It's just, man, like, I have no words. I have no words. Yeah, it's. It's a very, it's devastating. I'm. Mean, it really is. And what really is sort of a, a something about all of this that I keep thinking about is not only that he kept working throughout all of that, but he did it because he knew the work was important. That movies like Black Panther aren't. That's not just oh, it's another Marvel movie that comes out. Like it had a real impact, and it had a real impact on communities that were going to see that movie on a whole generation of kids that never got to see versions of themselves as superheroes and in those types of movies and knowing that he was sick, but also knowing that he had to, he had that obligation to fulfill is like completely like dumbfounding to me that he was able to muster the strength every day to do that. And I think that that is incredible and that's why this loss stings even more. What I think we could all take some solace in is knowing that he didn't only plant the seeds to build his own legacy. He lived to see everything play out with Black Panther and what that became and the cultural icon he became from it. So even in those short years that he was, you know, suffering and, you know, giving it his all still, he got to see the impact of his work and his contributions. And I'm very happy about that, at least. Yeah, very true. Um I, 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 we we originally had another poll uh, set up for uh, this week, but uh, given the news, we wanted to honor and celebrate uh, the career of Chadwick Boseman. So this week's poll is asking a very, very simple uh, question. Uh, tell us your favorite performance from Chadwick Boseman. Um, Michael, I, I'll pass it over to you first. Yeah, so lots to choose from here. But for me, my favorite Chadwick Boseman performance is Get On Up. Yeah. What he did as James Brown in that movie. You know, we talked about... Renee Zellweger is Judy Garland last year. She won the Academy Award and she was very good. But what Chadwick Boseman did, again, as James Brown, is just, I, I couldn't believe I was watching an actor. It felt like James Brown was reincarnated and came back to life for two hours on screen in this movie. It was just sensational. But it wasn't just the energy he brought on stage, it was those quieter moments, the moments of the suffering and backstage and know with viola davis and octavia spencer it is just an astounding performance we've been talking a lot about 2014 i wish we had given some more love to that performance because it's one for the books and very wholly ignored too um it did not get the recognition uh at the time and it is something that i think hopefully a lot of people now will discover 
actually how great he really was in that. Yeah, that's easily my favorite of his performances, too. And not that he was ever not good, but that performance, I think, is really something special and captured a charisma that is that was both very James Brown-like, but also wholly his own. And I... <laughs> it it's to, I just like think of that performance and think of you know all the performances that we're not going to get now it's it's it makes me very sad but that performance is pure joy so you know I I I I I have to say that and I haven't rewatched it yet because I don't know I'm going to rewatch it I just don't know if I'm ready to yet but his performance in Defy Bloods hits very differently now oh my goodness oh yeah the final scene and just even just thinking about it i'm getting emotional so um i'm gonna say that um just based on unfortunate circumstances alone i i i i saw a lot of people talking about this on social media about like without even having rewatching it just the thought of it is something that um it just elevates that movie to a whole other level of power now yeah for me it is definitely between those two performances um i do feel like i have to watch the five bloods again because of that but right now i am leaning a bit more towards get on up uh, for all the reasons that have already been stated it is such a magnetic performance and the movie in general too around him is also really good and it was one that flew under the radar for a lot of people and i think for musician biopics out there it does some things that actually make it kind of interesting and it's all led by his just wonderful performance so i would highly encourage people just to uh, check that movie out if they haven't seen it yet all right head on over to the polls page at nextbestpicture.com cast a vote there for your favorite chadwick boseman performance comment on social media talk about the work talk about the man honor his legacy rest in power chadwick boseman absolutely Hi guys, I'm Dean. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the Movie Journey Podcast. Where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. We're also home of the Pod V Pod, where we battle other podcasters in various movie games and drafts. We also do reviews of new releases, film tournaments, top five lists, and talk about everything else we've watched as well. We used to be the IMDb Journey Podcast, but since then, we've grown and matured with age. Yeah, if you don't believe us, why don't you listen to some more Genuine Testimonies? Oh, hey guys, I uh, I used to like the IMDb Journey podcast, but since then I've found something even better. It's the Movie Journey podcast. Oi, bro, I know I said the IMDb Journey podcast was a good show, but the Movie Journey podcast is so much better. Absolutely for sure, yeah. You know, I used to think that nothing could be funnier than IMDb Journey, but I've now found my joy in Movie Journey podcast. The IMDb Journey podcast is nothing compared to the Movie Journey podcast. Absolutely love this podcast. <laughs> oh, amazing oh, testimonies once again. Absolutely legit and real. Of course. And if you still don't believe those testimonies, go ahead and check out the show for yourself by searching for the Movie Journey podcast. You can find us on all your favourite platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher and Podbean. So come along and join our journey. Since we did just talk about the polls really quick, I want to just read off the results of last week's poll here. Uh, so 
Last week, uh, we asked everyone because of the trailer for the Batman, which caused quite a stir on social media. Uh, we asked everyone which is the the best Batman movie, not their favorite, just what they think is the best. And there's a couple of different contenders here for a variety of different reasons. Uh, but Michael, I'll pass it over to you. Which do you think is the best Batman movie? You know, it probably sounds cliched at this point, but I stand by it. I think The Dark Knight is the best Batman movie. Josh? The Dark Knight is the best one, but I voted for Batman Returns. Okay. And Dan Bear? I think that Batman Returns actually is the best one, and that's what I voted for. None of the other ones got the combination of dark and still fun to watch in the way that that one did. And I have to be cliche and save a dark night as well, but I love Batman Returns. So It's so fun. <laughs> yeah, no shade there. It's a great movie. Let's see what the community uh, went with here. Uh, so number 10 is Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever. I had a feeling that was going to be yes. <laughs> I, I've never I, seen the Joel Schumacher Batman movies. Really? Wow. Batman Forever has a very special, special place in my heart. Michael, I would encourage you to watch it just for the hammy campiness of it all. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to seeing them. It's just one of those things that, you know, never quite made it onto my radar. They're bad. Don't make no mistake. They are not good movies, but they also just have this unabashedly absurd level of cheesiness that makes them enjoyable <laughs> yeah no it's, it's they, a fun time it really does i don't say that you know to be sarcastic i'm looking forward to it also best cinematography nominee too <laughs> and deserved it like the colors in that movie are insane yeah first batman movie I ever saw in theaters me too me too all right number nine batman v superman dawn of justice I've only ever watched that movie once and I have come so close on occasion to rewatching it because so many people tell me I need to reevaluate it. And I'm just like, you don't need to do that. No, (laughs) right? No, I have never walked out of a movie angrier than I have with Batman v Superman. I I hate that movie so much, but I know people like it. So the movie I, I have seen, I've been in very few movies where people have walked out of a movie. That's one of them. Yeah. And they were sitting right in front of me and I got really upset. <laughs> Number eight is Batman the movie. The OG. Okay. I Wait, when like you say it. Batman the movie, is that That's the Tim Burton one? Or no, or no, no. Oh, the, the 60s, oh, the Adam 1960s West. one. Yep. I love the Adam West. It's so cheesy and corny and fun. Number seven, The Dark Knight Rises. Say that's too high, but Which okay. I personally still think is Nolan's worst movie. Oh, well, yeah. Tenet. Right. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> haven't seen Tenet yet. I will hopefully tomorrow, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, number six, this one, Michael is the Tim Burton Batman. Okay, and it's a very good movie with a great Jack Nicholson performance. Number five, the Lego Batman movie. (laughs) I adore that movie so much. (laughs) I really do. Uh, A movie that's very, very aware of the legacy of Batman and pokes fun at it so much. Yeah. Will Arnett is the best Batman. Sorry to everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Number four, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. In which I say Kevin Conroy is the best Batman. And I love 
Mask of the Phantasm. That's fair. <laughs> Number three, Batman Begins. All right. I mean, it's a good like first entry to that trilogy for sure. I think it's I think it's a very solid movie. It's not what I would consider like a prestige Oscar type of movie, but it's a very very solid superhero origin movie for sure. Oh yeah, I I still really enjoy yeah. watching it, and especially like one of my favorite things about that movie in particular is Killian Murphy as the Scarecrow. Oh, oh he's great. God, the Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, Batman Returns. Y- you guys know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> never any doubt, even though, frankly, I think Begins is better than The Dark Knight. But that's just me. And with 48% of the entire poll, The Dark Knight, number one. Yeah, that's not shocking in the slightest. <laughs> Well, thank you to the MVP film community for your votes there on the best Batman movie. And we cannot wait to celebrate you all later on in the show. We are revealing the 2014 MVP film community award winners. So, so excited. We're also going to announce the MVP film awards for 2014 voted on by the staff simultaneously side by side. So we'll get to hear uh, our picks and your picks as well for that. Um, As you all know, we've been covering the 2014 year, uh, which predates the launch of uh, NBP, as I said at the top of the show in uh, 2016. And we've been going backwards uh, each year. And these retrospectives have just been so much fun to do. Um, these podcast reviews that we've done, looking back on these years and getting a chance to reevaluate uh, some of the movies. It's like though as if we were reliving it all over again, but this time with a few years separated. So there's, uh, you know, let's put it this way. The imitation game hits differently in 2020 than it does in 2014. <laughs> it hits pretty poorly back then, too. But I, th- but I think we've been able to open up people's eyes to that a little bit more. Don't you agree? Oh, I sure hope so. Yeah. That it is my mission in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, let's talk about our first trailer for today. Uh, Francis Lee's Ammonite, which is a big festival contender this year from Neon, starring Kate Winslet, Saoirse Ronan. Um, It is actually supposed to be playing at the Toronto International Film Festival and various other film festivals uh, throughout the season, even though Francis Lee is very, very adamant that he doesn't want people to see it virtually, wants to see it on a big screen. But I'm sure we'll all get around to seeing it at some point. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one and let's give some thoughts. It was a sea lizard. Six feet long. Days it took to dig it out, clean it. I was only 11 years old. It's in the British Museum. That one was special. I've often heard your reputation discussed in the Geographical Society in London. Is there something you wanted, sir? My wife, she hasn't been at all well of late. She suffers from melancholia. I want her to walk the shoreline with you, learn from you. I'm not looking for an apprentice. I would pay a premium for a private audience. It's not easy work. Don't like the water. What is it? 
cheap tourist fodder. Beautiful. It pleases me you struck up a friendship together. What is it? Something? Nothing? the life I had before you. What about my life? Fossil of a lady on fire. <laughs> Portrait of a ladybird on fire. <laughs> I look, it's so easy to joke about this and the comparisons to Portrait of a Lady on Fire because they are so striking, but this looks really good. I think it's Neon's intention with their marketing here. They're clearly trying to get that audience that created such a passionate um, overall enthusiasm for, for Portrait of a Lady on Fire. They're hoping to capture that with Ammonite. And I think it's um, no no mistake that everything about this is very similar to that movie, um, with the exception of, it. well, a couple things. One, I don't think the cinematography looks as great as Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Like, like that just kind of goes without saying. Well, I mean, but that's like that yeah. was some of the best cinematography of the past decade. So you know, tall order. I also just based on what we got from this trailer, I also got the sense that I don't know. It just didn't feel like it was. I guess my biggest disappointment about it was that it just didn't feel like anything fresh and new. It felt like uh, retreads of stories that we've seen in other movies before, other even other than Portrait of a Lady on Fire as well. So I was a little underwhelmed. I'm hoping that the performances from Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan uh, elevate what appears to be um, a story that we've you know, seen before. And I'm happy to get more of it, obviously, because it's an unrepresented uh, genre within the Hollywood system um, or even just in movies in general. But at the same time, I just was hoping for just a tad bit of originality, if you will. I Well, you know, Cameron Bailey at TIFF did say he thought it was Kate Winslet's best performance ever. So, which is mainly what I'm looking forward to. That was yeah. my main takeaway from this trailer was just how good Kate Winslet looks in this movie. And I can't wait to see mm -hmm. it just for that alone. See, I yeah. actually think this is going to be now that I've seen the trailer and like the way that Saoirse Ronan's like playing this melancholy character who's going to be reserved and not necessarily talk so much but then open up more as the movie goes on and then there was a crying scene i saw like in the trailer at one point i have a very very strong feeling this is going to be one of those search ronan oscar winning i say that with all capitals oscar winning performances that people say oh she was better in this and they gave it to her for this sort of thing yeah I, you could definitely see like the, the like the uh coronation happening for this movie if it's good and everybody likes her in it and everybody just kind of decides, yeah, we're going to anoint her the winner this year. I could definitely see that. Because it happen. checks off it checks off all the boxes, right, of a, of what Oscar likes to go for in a winning performance. Yeah. Not if yeah. not if Mamaw has anything to say about it. Who? Mamaw Glenn Close. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, who? What? <laughs> Mamaw Close. Yeah, no, no, I know. I got you now. I got you. We're still waiting for a trailer on that one though, of course. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I look. It's 
it's too hard to speculate about anything about that right now because Lord only knows what the next six months or so are going to bring. But yeah, she looks really good. I I can't wait for the same people who had so many issues with Call Me By Your Name to come for this movie with the age difference between the two lead actors. But, you know. I did see a little bit of that already. Like a, like a very, very small bit. It wasn't loud and it wasn't overtaking the conversation. Obviously, the portrait comparisons was what was like the dominant point that everybody was making over and over with, with as many puns as they possibly could come up with. <laughs> but I, I listen, I'm still excited. I love these two actresses. I cannot wait to see what they deliver. And I also am hoping that it you know, surpasses my expectations. And what we're just seeing from this trailer is just a bit of marketing to, like I said, capture an audience. Um, and they're hoping that it gives them like a bit of success uh, throughout the rest of the season. So we'll see what the final product looks like in a couple of, uh, wow, Jesus, a couple of days. Uh, we'll get some word on Ammonite. So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's talk about some other news that uh, happened uh, actually over the last week. Uh, so we found out that Amy Adams is joining the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Uh, she will portray Cynthia Murphy, the mother of Connor and Zoe Murphy uh, in the movie, co-starring Ben Platt, uh, Amanda Stenberg and Caitlin Deaver currently. This is really interesting to me because when I saw that Amy Adams was joining, I thought, oh, she's playing Heidi Hansen. That'll be her Oscar winning role. Wonderful. And then see, she's not playing that part, but a much smaller role like she, she'll have some stuff to work with, but it's not what I would imagine as a part that an actress of Amy Adams' stature would take. I was sort of surprised to see it. I She has been resistant to being in musicals. Um, uh, other than Enchanted, she hasn't really done one, and I think that's very strange um, because she is so talented in as a musical performer. But, I mean, it's still a good part you know, don't get me wrong. And like of the parts for women of that age in this movie, it's, you know, the second biggest. And I'm, I imagine that she's taking that part because they're sticking with the actress from Broadway in the leads. And why not? Yeah, that would be great to see someone like Rachel Bay Jones uh, reprise her Tony winning performance. But maybe Amy gets like an original song or something like that. And they flesh out the character a little bit more. Someone at her level to take a part like this, there has to be more than what we saw on stage. So I'm really interested to see where this movie's going. Stephen James, who you guys uh, probably remember from If Beale Street Could Talk, is uh, in final negotiations to co-star with Russell Crowe in American Son based on the French film A Prophet from 2009. And it is uh, supposed to be directed by Andrew Anu Bolu, uh, who directed Blue Story, a movie that I saw actually right before the pandemic, and it's quite good. And I, I think just based on, you know, if you guys have ever seen A Prophet, you know that there is a lot that they could do with the story. And I'm very, very, very intrigued uh, by this American remake, uh, should everything fall into place. Yeah, I love A Prophet. It's one of my favorite movies, and I think it should have won the Oscar for International Feature that year. Um, I don't know about a remake, though, maybe just because I love the original movie so much that I am a little resistant to the idea of it 
getting a remake, but it's got talented people involved, so I will certainly give it a shot. Watch Blue Story, Josh, if you get a chance, and like come back to me and tell me if you still feel the same way. Because once I saw that he was attached to direct, I immediately was like, yes, like this is this is perfect for uh, the type of material that he did with Blue Story. Um, it, I, I think that he'll suit suit it very well. You know, yeah, with these that inter- casting is great. Yeah. With these English language remakes, sometimes you're the departed. Other times you're the secret in their eyes. So mm. it all depends on the talent involved. True. True. Uh, we also uh, this week got uh, first details on Raya and the Last Dragon uh, starring Kelly Marie Tran. Uh, this is going to be Disney's uh, newest animated film. Uh, it's about Raya, a warrior who embarks on a journey to find the last dragon. Aquafina is also supposed to star in it. Um, the majority of the film's animation has taken place remotely during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's supposed to be directed by Don Hall, who previously uh, gave us Moana and Big Hero 6. And, and Carlos Lopez Estrada, who did blind spotting. With, get this, Kui Win and Adele Lim, who uh, is co-writing the script, and they did Crazy Rich Asians. Mm, quite a collection of characters working on this right? one. Right? <laughs> look, this is what Kelly Marie Tran deserves from Disney after the way she got treated for Star Wars. Absolutely. I completely agree. And not just from the fans, too, but I still maintain that what they did to her in Rise of Skywalker was just downright dirty. Oh, unconscionable. Yeah. Ab- yeah, th- this could be the movie that makes her a star. So, you know, that, that's great to uh, see. I would argue she's already a star, but at the same time, I, I just, I, I, I want, I want some, I want something positive in her life from this yeah, industry. Let me clarify. Yeah, she's a star from, you know, the Star Wars movies, but maybe more of a household name outside of the Star Wars universe, sort of breakthrough beyond that. Sure. I, I understand what you mean by that. Um, movie said to be released March 12th, 2021. So we'll wait to see uh, where that goes from here. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talk about what we love, movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, let's no, talk stop, about stop, this minute. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I wonder who the cat can God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the All right, so what a way to celebrate four years of Next Best Picture on today's episode with the MVP Film Community Award winners for 2014 alongside the MVP Film Awards for 2014 voted on by the staff as well. Different set of nominations in some cases, different sets of winners, perhaps we're about to find out. I want to thank the entire community for voting on these awards. Uh, previously, when we did, I think it was the 20, yeah, the 2010s, the best of the decade, we got about 1,500 votes in, if I remember correctly. Um, this time around, in the middle of a pandemic, and you know, just for one single calendar year, uh, we got about 
I got the actual number here, 1,245, which I'm still very proud of that number, even if it is slightly down, uh, because given the circumstances of this year and people's kind of scattered brains with uh, focusing on movies right now, given everything else that's happening in the world, I'm very, very proud of the community for uh, voting on these and giving us uh, the results that we have received here. And also, too, a huge thank you to the entire staff of Next Best Picture as well uh, for voting on these awards, too. So this has been, as I said before, um, a real joy, I think, for all of us that have partaken in these podcast retrospectives and also just this discussion of the 2014 year, uh, something that we like to do in the off offseason uh, while we wait for award season to kick in, which, you know, even though everything has been shifted two months this year, um, Unofficially, I suppose, uh, once we hit September, uh, that is, you know, for all intents and purposes, when award season, I think, starts kicking into full gear with the film festivals. So, oh, man, here we go. Let's do this. Best overlooked film. I will read the community first, the MVP Film Awards second. So for the community, nominees are Chef. The Immigrant, Mommy, A Most Violent Year, An Obvious Child. Best Overlooked Film, The Runner-Up, Chef. Mm. The Winner, Mommy. Oh, I like that Ooh. winner a lot. Oh, well. That actually kind of surprises me from the community in yeah. a most pleasant way. Good yeah. going. And to be clear, it was very, very close as well. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Two very different movies. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and one a giant leap in quality ahead of the other. <laughs> All right. Now for the staff. Best overlooked film. Nominees are Calvary, The Immigrant, Locke, A Most Violent Year, Pride. What do you guys think? Pride. I, I, think pride. <laughs> I, I really do. The runner up is Pride. Yay! <laughs> the winner is a most violent year. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, Good. love that movie so much. Best sci-fi horror film: Community, The Babadook, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Interstellar, Snowpiercer, and Under the Skin. Runner-up: Snowpiercer. Winner: Interstellar. Yeah. Figures. I mean, that makes sense, because those are the two most widely seen. <laughs> For the staff, The Babadook, Edge of Tomorrow, Interstellar, Snowpiercer, and Under the Skin. What do you guys think you guys did? I think Edge of Tomorrow. It's probably Interstellar again, even oh, though yeah. like you, I'm over here in the quarter screaming for the Babadook and Under the Skin. <laughs> I mean, I certainly hope it is Interstellar. The runner-up is Interstellar. Yeah. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) The winner is Snowpiercer. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes sense. For best comedy film from the community, 22 Jump Street, Birdman, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Inherent Vice. Well, I think they did Guardians of the Galaxy. Probably, although I have to say, like... (laughs) I I rewatched. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I rewatched some clips from Twenty Two Jump Street over the past week, and like that movie is so freaking funny. It's hysterical. I agree. <laughs> so funny. The runner-up is Guardians of the Galaxy, and the winner 
is the Grand Budapest Hotel. I can get behind that. And now for us, nominees are 22 Jump Street, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Inherent Vice, Neighbors, and Obvious Child. Hmm. The runner-up, Obvious Child. Wow. Um, I'll take that. Winner, same as the community, the Grand Budapest Hotel. It is the prestige comedy. Yeah. (laughs) And so I also want to make this clear, too. We do the staff awards on a preferential ballot, and we do the community on a plural ballot. Uh, This was the first award to win with the staff on the first round of voting. Oh, wow. Mm. Best action film, Community. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Edge of Tomorrow. John Wick, The Raid 2, and X-Men Days of Future Past. The runner-up, John Wick. The winner, Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Uh, Yeah. And for us, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Guardians of the Galaxy, John Wick, and The Raid 2. What do you guys think? Well, considering a certain film's nomination in the best picture category. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Like, do you guys think that because like like Academy rules, if a foreign language film is like nominated for best picture, it automatically wins the foreign language Oscar? Do you think that like we instinctually naturally do the same thing as that? No, but I do think that like it just shows a level of support for that movie overall. Well, Dan. The runner-up, Captain America to Winter Soldier. Nice. And the winner, no surprise, is John Wick. Uh, <laughs> get that puppy back. <laughs> Best documentary film from the community. Nominees are Citizen Four, Finding Vivian Meyer, Jodorowsky's Dune, Life Itself and the Salt of the Earth. Very, very, very close. Mm-hmm. The runner-up, Citizen Four. Ooh. The winner, Life Itself. Okay. Very nice. That's I great to that see. Makes sense. And then yeah. for us, Citizen Four, Finding Vivian Meyer, The Last Days in Vietnam, Life Itself, and Varunga. What do you guys think happened? Well, it feels like something similar happened. Yeah. yeah. I, I hope it's Life Itself again. So this was a preferential ballot. And because there are 18 of us, the potential for ties is there. Mm. Oh, wait, no. Best documentary goes to a tie between Citizen Four and Life Itself. That That's actually appropriate, I think. <laughs> I Citizen Four is one of those, when I was, when we were doing this and looking at the names, like, that's something I want to rewatch now to see if it... It feels like it's something that would hit differently. Sure. Mm-hmm. I get that. And I would just like to give just a shout out to Finding Vivian Mayer. That's a really yeah. excellent documentary. Yeah. And it was produced by a relative of Gene Siskel's. So you got Siskel and Ebert in here. Yeah. Best international feature film. Nominees for the community are Force Majeure, Ida, Leviathan, Two Days, One Night, and Wild Tales. Runner-up, Force Majeure. Winner is Ida. As it should be. Yeah, makes complete sense. It's a good choice. I'm surprised they didn't uh, 
do mommy there well yeah for the community you mean like for just in regards to the nominations yeah it wasn't there yeah uh but for us though mommy is in the lineup so let's see what happened there uh our nominees are force majeure Ida, mommy two days one night and wild tales so swapping out leviathan for mommy our results are another tie oh I, wow i know what this <laughs> oh. is gonna be. i think i know what it's gonna be why don't you tell us the this winners for best international feature film from the staff of next best picture for 2014 are mommy and two days one night that is not what oh. I'm yep that makes me like i am both happy and sad because i love two days one night but so like, do i ito is right there yeah i've actually never seen mommy oh wow oh it's really good yeah uh best animated feature film community nominees are big hero six how to train your dragon 2 the lego movie song of the sea and the tale of princess kaguya don't think there's any suspense to this one. <laughs> Runner-up, How to Train Your Dragon 2, winner of the Lego movie. Yeah, as it should be. Mm-hmm. You do you, community. You do you. And our nominees here, slight difference, uh, are Big Hero 6, The Box Trolls, How to Train Your Dragon 2, the Lego movie, and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. Dragon. Really? Look, I'd love it to be a dragon, but it's going to well, be Michael, the Lego movie. <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon 2 is the runner-up. And in the first round of voting, the Lego movie took this category away. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's not surprising. Best original song from the community, 2014. Begin Again, Lost Stars. Boyhood, Split the Difference. The Hunger Games, Mockingjay, Part 1, Yellow Flicker Beat. The Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. And Selma, Glory. I, I may be the only one who says this, but I'm genuinely hoping that it's Lost Stars. <laughs> The runner-up is Everything is Awesome from the Lego Movie. <laughs> and the winner is Glory from Selma. Yeah. You could not find four different songs. <laughs> and for the staff of Next Best Picture, uh, nominees are Begin Again from Lost Stars. Or actually, uh, sorry, Lost Stars from Begin Again. <laughs> uh, Beyond the Lights, Grateful, Boyhood, Split the Difference, The Lego Movie, Everything is Awesome, and Selma, Glory. So I'm going to make a prediction here before you announce the runner-up and the winner. Sure. I have the sneaking suspicion, maybe I'm wrong, but I have a sneaking suspicion that Grateful from Beyond the Lights placed in the top two. You are wrong, sir. (laughs) (laughs) The runner-up is Lost Stars from Begin Again. Yes! Mm. The winner is Glory from Selma. Well, hey, that's an excellent winner. It was so great. They had John Legend and Common last week at the Democratic National Convention performing that. And it reminded me of the Oscar performance and how powerful it was that year. So got Chris Pine to cry on camera. Yep, oh. Best performance he's ever given. <laughs> that was not a performance. I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> Best original score from the community. Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Interstellar and the Fury of Everything. Come on, Interstellar. The runner up is the Oscar winner, the Grand Budapest Hotel. And the winner is Hans Zimmer for Interstellar. Good going, community. That score is kind of majestic. It's amazing. And for us, Gone Girl, the Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Interstellar, and The Fury of Everything. 
What did we do? What did we do? I am very nervous. (laughs) The runner-up. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross for Gone Girl. Okay. The winner, Hans Zimmer for Interstellar. Okay. Thank you, people. (laughs) (laughs) That runner-up, I'll say it, it confuses me. Best visual effects. Community nominees are Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which I just rewatched last night, and that movie has so much more practical effects than I, like, can recall a Marvel movie actually having. It, it was pretty incredible. It's why it's one of the better ones, honestly. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Edge of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Interstellar. It's so funny, whenever like any of the Planet of the Apes movies are like in contention. I never know what is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The runner up is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and the winner is Interstellar, which is entirely appropriate. Yeah. Let's see what we did. <sighs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Edge of Tomorrow, Guardians of the Galaxy and Interstellar. What do you think we did, guys? Yeah, I don't trust any of you people anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we did the same thing, actually. Runner up, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And the winner is Interstellar. I was okay. right. I was a little nervous about the rankings, but I'm glad that everybody came together for that win. Best sound mixing. Nominees for the community are... American Sniper, Birdman, Guardians of the Galaxy, Interstellar, and Whiplash. Yeah, I think Whiplash is the clear winner. (laughs) I'm still laughing about Interstellar. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, keep laughing, Dan. Interstellar is the runner-up from the community. (laughs) And the winner is Whiplash. (laughs) Okay, I want to say I am obviously a huge fan of Interstellar. And I will even stick up for the mixing in some places, but not in a runner-up position. So the community (laughs) went even further than I would have. (laughs) And then for us, Birdman, Gone Girl, Interstellar, Snowpiercer, and Whiplash. What did we do, guys? Well, I think Whiplash is the obvious winner. I'm hoping sound mixing went to something like Birdman. Mm. Well, let's see. Not Interstellar. (laughs) The runner-up for the MVP Film Award for sound mixing is Snowpiercer. Okay, yeah, I can get down with that. And in the first round of voting, the winner is Whiplash. Yep, as it should be. Best sound editing now. A little bit of a different beast. Film community nominees are American Sniper, Birdman, Edge of Tomorrow, Interstellar, and Snowpiercer. Hmm. Now, here is where Interstellar does deserve a sound win or runner-up, because they're two different categories and two different arts. The runner-up is Snowpiercer, and the winner is Interstellar. Very, very nice, yeah. (laughs) And then for Vestaff, American Sniper, Birdman, Edge of Tomorrow, Interstellar, and Whiplash, which I, guys, I, I gotta just bring it up again i cannot believe you all put whiplash in sound editing i really can't <laughs> i don't understand it either damien chazelle movies have a way of making it in, making it into sound editing <laughs> <laughs> god I, that la la land nomination will haunt me forever <laughs> <laughs> all right guys what do you think we did <laughs> lord only knows i still think interstellar 
came out on top. I'm hoping so, but I, that's what I'm going with. Yeah. All right. I want everyone to take a breath. Oh, Lord. <laughs> if Whiplash is the winner, I'm going to. The runner up. And and somewhere in the world right now, I, I hear Ryan C. Showers tripping over something and falling on the ground. The runner up is American Sniper. <laughs> well, as it should be. It's a great sounding film. But the winner is Interstellar. OK, good. Yeah, I mean, I think American Sniper, yeah, it does sort of sound like every other war movie. But as a sound design movie, like it, it's good work. Like, I don't have any problems with yeah. this particular category. I, I just feel that there's like a collective amount of people like on the team here at MVP who are like going to forever rescind the fact that like we have American Sniper in a winner or runner up position anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if it had to be somewhere, I'm glad it was here. A category that it yeah. even won the Oscar for. I mean, it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Best makeup and hairstyling. The community nominees are Foxcatcher, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Guardians of the Galaxy, Into the Woods, and Snowpiercer. Hope the Snowpiercer loves come uh, comes through. Runner up, Guardians of the Galaxy. Winner, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Nice. Kind of surprised the community went for Grand Budapest for that category. I mean, Tilda's old age makeup alone but that's the thing is like <laughs> and that wig but, like, but that's the thing though with grand budapest's makeup in my opinion is that i know that there are other smaller bits of makeup in that movie but that to me is like the only thing that that movie like really has as far as like a showcase goes you know it's kind of like Foxcatcher in that way where it's like it's just steve carell and nothing else but remember, it's also hairstyling which you see from like bill murray's mustache and what they do to i Ray get Fines it yeah and yeah, I, I, I get it. I, I think that like a lot of people, when they think makeup, they immediately just go to prosthetics mostly. Um, so I, I agree, Michael, that hairstyling definitely tends to slip people's minds when they think about this category. Uh, for us, nominees are Foxcatcher, the, ba- the Grand Budapest Hotel, Guardians of the Galaxy, Into the Woods, and Maleficent. I just want to say that us not having Snowpiercer here is a crime. It really yep. is, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That really pissed me off, but it's okay. It's all right. It happens. Yeah. The runner-up for best makeup and hairstyling from the MVP staff is Foxcatcher. Okay. What? Yep. (laughs) It's good work, Dan. We can move on. (laughs) The winner for best makeup and hairstyling is Guardians of the Galaxy. (laughs) Awesome. Which is honestly what I expected the community to do. Yeah. (laughs) That that actually makes me really happy. I kind of love that. Costume design. The Grand Budapest Hotel, Guardians of the Galaxy, Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, and Snowpiercer for the community. The runner-up here is Snowpiercer. Ooh. The winner, the Grand Budapest Hotel. No surprise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and for the staff, Snowpiercer is not amongst the nominees. They are the Grand Budapest Hotel, Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, Maleficent, and Selma. I love that Selma nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Really yeah. do. Those suits, the, the, all the period costuming is just impeccable. And it's a period that I don't think gets enough recognition in this category. Runner-up is Maleficent. Interesting. 
winner, first round of voting, the Grand Budapest Hotel. As it should be, honestly. Yeah, that's undeniable. Production design. Community nominees are Birdman, the Grand Budapest Hotel, Into the Woods, Interstellar, and Snowpiercer. I, I, the, the Birdman nomination still gets me. I'm like, wow, like they really, really like thought of that. <laughs> you know? I, it's, yeah, it's the Into the Woods one that gets me, and not in a good way. <laughs> I feel that. I, 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 I get that. Everything in that movie looks so fake. I can't. The runner-up for production design from the community is Snowpiercer. The winner, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, that is how it should be. Let's Absolutely. Uh, for the staff, nominees are the Grand Budapest Hotel, the Imitation Game, <laughs> okay, Interstellar, Into the Woods, and Snowpiercer. I, I like. I. I. I, can't, I. Like. I don't know how Imitation Game. Once again, like. Like. I, there are pockets of fans. They're just. They're just hiding. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, like, sure, they recreated the original Turing machine. Good for them. Same result. Runner-up, Snowpiercer. Winner, the Grand Budapest Hotel. First round of voting. Yeah, undeniable. Yeah, absolutely. Film editing time. Oh, this was a bloodbath. In both the community and also with the staff. Community nominees, Birdman, Edge of Tomorrow, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Whiplash. Runner-up, Gone Girl. Winner, Whiplash. Yeah, that is... I think especially on this rewatch, to me, the editing in Gone Girl was just real standout stuff. Yeah, I agree. Good stuff. Uh, For us, we have Edge of Tomorrow, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Nightcrawler, and Whiplash. I think it's going to be the same, but I would love it if Edge of Tomorrow made a surprise in there someplace. Yeah, that would be... Th- there's something to be said for how underrated good comedic editing is, and Edge of Tomorrow has a really great mix of comedic editing and great action editing as well. The runner-up is Gone Girl. And the winner, first round of voting, Whiplash. Yeah. I'm really kind of surprised that we both, both the community and us did the same thing in this category, but at the same time, it's hard to deny. Yeah. Cinematography. Community nominees are Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Ida, and The Immigrant. The runner-up, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and the winner, Birdman. And believe it or not, it was closer than you guys think. Really? Wow. Twelve hundred plus votes, and it was extremely close. Wow. I mean, mm. you know, I guess people really love changing aspect ratios. Cinematography for us: Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Ida, and Interstellar. Well, I think we obviously went for Birdman. Runner-up. Same thing. Grand Budapest Hotel winner: Birdman. I this. Honestly, is a category that I would have thought Interstellar would have been the runner-up. Mm, I, I still think that movie itself is just too polarizing that an aspect like that wasn't really going to be the runner-up. But I think it's one of those things where like the movie is polarizing, but I think everyone says the cinematography is great, though. You know? 
I'm just happy it got nominated. (laughs) (laughs) Best original screenplay. Community nominees are Birdman, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Interstellar, and Nightcrawler. Hmm. I think they went with Budapest. The runner-up? Birdman. Winner, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Good instincts, Um, Josh. that's, That's good. And for us, we had the Oscar lineup. Birdman, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Nightcrawler. Michael, what do you think we did? I think Birdman was the runner-up and Budapest was the winner. Mm, I think Budapest was the runner-up and Boyhood was the winner. It's a tie. Oh, God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) The winners for Best Original Screenplay from the MVP team are The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. And Nightcrawler. Yeah. Wow. wow. Oh. Oh, I love it. Ooh, the taste. Ooh. If you want to win the lottery, you have to buy a ticket. Best adapted screenplay from the community. Nominees are Gone Girl, Guardians of the Galaxy, Snowpiercer, Whiplash, and Wild. All right, so what was the runner-up to Gone Girl? <laughs> the runner-up is Whiplash. And the winner, no surprise, Gone Girl. That (laughs) makes sense, even though it's total category fraud. Well, we did the same thing. Uh, (laughs) Gone Girl, Inherent Vice, Snowpiercer, Whiplash. There it is, Dan. (laughs) And Wild. I know. And no surprise, Gone Girl won in the first round single-handedly. The runner-up, shockingly, Snowpiercer. Okay. All right. I guess your your campaigning, Dan, might might have had something to do with that, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Uh, best debut director, Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler, Jennifer Kent for The Babadook, Jillian Robespierre for Obvious Child, Justin Simeon for Dear White People, and Chad Stelesky? Stelesky. I can never say his name right for John Wick. <laughs> and the runner-up, Jennifer Kent for The Babadook. Winner, Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler. Yeah, it's not surprising. For us... Anna Lilly Amirpour for A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler, Jennifer Kent for The Babadook, Justin Simeon for Dear White People, and I'm going to try this again, Chad Stahleski <laughs> for John Wick. I can't, the Stahleski? I don't know. I is can't, that how you say I it? I can't get it out. <laughs> I think the H is throwing you off. <laughs> I think so, too. Uh, the runner-up, Jennifer Kent for The Babadook, and in the first round of voting... Dan Gilroy for Nightcrawler. That makes sense. I, I would flip them myself, but I can't can't argue with it. Breakout performance from 2014. Community nominated Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler. Carrie Coon for Gone Girl. Gugu Mabafa Raw for Beyond the Lights. Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel. And Jenny Slate for Obvious Child. What a strong category. I really hope that Gugu wins because we did her the great disservice of not nominating her on the staff. And we all know that she is the two true breakout of this year. That's what vote splitting does sometimes. The runner up, Carrie Coon for Gone Girl. Oh, wow. The winner, Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler. I expected that to be flipped. Wow. And for us here... Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler, Carrie Coon for Gone Girl, Jack O'Connell for Starred Up, Tony Revolori for The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Jenny Slate for Obvious Child. Ooh. Michael, what did we do? 
You know, I think there's some love for Jenny Slade in there. I really do. I really do not know. I could see any one of these people winning, to be honest. I, considering all the FYCs that we've done, I'm thinking Jack O'Connell stands a really good shot. I hope so. Runner up. Carrie Coon for Gone Girl. Winner. Riz Ahmed for Nightcrawler. Same thing. Can't argue with those. They, they are yeah. excellent. There. Wow. Yeah. I knew our friend Cody had a lot of love to give to Jenny Slate. So I was thinking between his support and mine, maybe there was something to be had. But I mean, know. I had support for her too. But I, I mean, this is a very strong category. So I can't be mad at any of the winners here. Best voice performance from the community. Nominees are Will Arnett for The Lego Movie. Kate Blanchett for How to Train Your Dragon 2. Bradley Cooper for Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt for The Lego Movie, and Andy Serkis for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. The runner-up, Bradley Cooper for Guardians yes. of the Galaxy. Which, still to this day, when I found out that that was Bradley Cooper, I couldn't believe that that was actually his voice. I really it's couldn't. unrecognizable. It's great. And the winner... Andy Serkis, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He previously won this category for War for the Planet of the Apes. And it's appropriate. Although I am very happy that Bradley Cooper placed um, in the runner-up position. Yeah, me too. I love his voice work as Rocket. And then for the staff here, F. Murray Abram for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Will Arnett for the Lego Movie. Bradley Cooper, Guardians of the Galaxy. Toby Kebbell for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and Andy Serkis for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I don't think he's winning, but I would be so happy with F. Murray Abraham. The runner up. F. Murray Abraham for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow. Wow. And the winner, Andy Serkis for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's honestly kind of shocking. But it was great. That was like one of those things where it was like once F. Murray Abraham got like nominated, I was like, there's going to be a lot of support for that. You know, I think like getting the nomination yeah. was the hurdle. And then when I saw how the votes were breaking down, even though like before I started tallying them, I was like, oh, Andy's going to win, like without me even checking. But then when I saw how much like ground F. Murray Abram was was gaining on him, I was like, oh, oh, my God, like what is happening? <laughs> uh, best youth performance. Community nominated Eller Coltrane for Boyhood, Mackenzie Foy for Interstellar, Jaden Martell for St. Vincent, Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Noah Wiseman for The Babadook. Runner-up, Eller Coltrane for Boyhood. <laughs> Will Mavity is rolling. <laughs> and the winner, an upset maybe? Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel. Huh. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. Let's see what we did. We have Eller Coltrane for Boyhood, Mackenzie Foy for Interstellar, Jaden Martell for St. Vincent, Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel, and Noah Wiseman, the Babadook. Same nominees. Do we have the same results? Let's find out. Mm. Runner up, Tony Revolori for the Grand Budapest Hotel. And the winner... Mackenzie Foy for Interstellar. Yes. Good. I'm so happy about that. That is, I think, the way it should be. Best Supporting Actor time. 
From the community, nominees are Steve Carell for Foxcatcher, Ethan Hawke for Boyhood, Edward Norton for Birdman, Mark Ruffalo for for Foxcatcher, and J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. Well, Simmons obviously won. Yeah. Who do you think is the runner-up? Um, I'm going to say Edward Norton is the runner-up. Me too. Although it wouldn't surprise me if it were Steve Carell. The runner-up to, obviously, the winner, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash, <laughs> is Ethan Hawke for Boyhood. Ooh, okay. Oh, I like it. And then on our side of things, supporting actor... Riz Ahmed, Nightcrawler, Ethan Hawke for Boyhood, Edward Norton for Birdman, Mark Ruffalo for Foxcatcher, and J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. I'll kill the suspense here. J.K. Simmons wins first round of voting for Whiplash. But who do you guys think we have as the runner-up? That's interesting. Uh, I'm going to say Ethan Hawke. I think it actually might be Riz. Yeah, he would be my number three. You can flip-flop both of them. I'm going to say Hawke. The runner-up to J.K. Simmons is... Ethan Hawke for Boyhood. Great performance. Yeah. I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah. All the performances in this category are great. Best Supporting Actress community nominees are Patricia Arquette for Boyhood, Jessica Chastain, A Most Violent Year, Renee Russo for Nightcrawler, Emma Stone for Birdman, and Tilda mm. Swinton for Snowpiercer. Could go Come any on, number of ways. Tilda. <laughs> the runner-up is Emma Stone for Birdman. And the winner is Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. That makes sense. What did we do? What did we do? Our nominees are Patricia Arquette for Boyhood, Carrie Coon for Gone Girl, Renee Russo for Nightcrawler, Emma Stone for Birdman, and Tilda Swinton for Snowpiercer. (sighs) Boy. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we picked Tilda. I was actually going to go out on a limb and say that we picked Carrie Coon. (laughs) Michael, who do you think? I don't think it's going to be Patricia Arquette because I know there is you know, a lot of controversy around her in our circles. So I'm actually going to say Renee Russo as a dark horse is the winner. The runner up is Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Well, you're all right about that, at least. <laughs> the winner for Best Supporting Actress from the MVP staff is Tilda Swinton for Snowpiercer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. All right. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Best actor from the community. Ray Fiennes, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler. Michael Keaton for Birdman. David Oyelowo for Selma. And Eddie Redmayne for The Fury of Everything. So David Oyelowo is the runner-up to Keaton, right? The runner-up, actually, Dan, is Michael Keaton for Birdman. Oh. Oh, I think I know who won. He still couldn't do it. The winner is Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler. Oh. Let's see what we did. <laughs> we have Ray Fiennes for the Grand Budapest Hotel, Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler, Michael Keaton for Birdman, Matthew McConaughey for Interstellar, and David Oyelowo for Selma. I think we did go with Keaton. I think we went with Keaton, and the runner-up is Ray Fiennes. That would make me really happy. I hate to burst all your bubble, but we did the exact same thing. Runner-up, <gasps> Michael Keaton for Birdman. The winner, Jake Gyllenhaal for Nightcrawler. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I'm i really in shock right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Community. Actress. And I will kill some suspense here. The nominees uh, for the staff are exactly the same, so I'll just read them off here. 
Marion Cotillard for two days, one night. Essie Davis for the Babadook. Julianne Moore for Still Alice. Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl. And Reese Witherspoon for Wild. What did the community do? What did we do? Look, I I don't think this is going to happen, but I really hope that one of us groups had the taste level to give this award to Marianne Cotillard like she deserves. It would be uh, I think nice. Rosamund Pike won both of them. That's yeah. my guess. But I would not be surprised to see Marion come in second place uh, with either one. Rosamund Pike is the winner for Gone Girl in both the community and the staff. The runner-up in both the community and the staff is Marion Cotillard for two days. Holy shit. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that, yeah. (laughs) Oh my god. You guys don't know how happy you've made me. (laughs) I'm right there with you, Dan. I love that movie and her performance in it. Yeah, it's so good. Oh. Three categories left. Best Ensemble. Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Selma, and Snowpiercer for the community. The runner-up? Birdman. Mm. The winner is The Grand Budapest Hotel. It's very interesting. I like it, though. Yeah, I, that's a great ensemble. And then for the staff. Birdman, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Pride, and Selma. I imagine we flipped it from the community, but man, I am pulling for Pride. Me too. The runner-up is The Grand Budapest Hotel. And the winner is Gone Girl. Oh, I was going to say, oh my god. Ooh, wow. Hmm. I, I said it when on the review, like, that is a flawlessly cast film it's totally down to like the uh background players it's really you know meticulously cast yeah even the smallest like yeah it's wow good good job us even like amy's parents make an impression it's so well done community nominees for best director are wes anderson for the grand budapest hotel damien chazelle for whiplash david fincher for gone girl Alejandro Gonzalez Inari 2 for Birdman and Richard Linklater for Boyhood. Mm, I'm going to say Linklater. The runner up is Damien Chazelle for Whiplash. Wow. Not surprising. The winner is Alejandro Gonzalez Inari 2 for Birdman. I figured. Okay. <laughs> Let's see what we did. We swapped out. We swapped out Richard Linklater for Ava DuVernay for Selma, which is like crazy. Taste. But our nominees are Wes Anderson for The Grand Budapest Hotel, Damien Chazelle for Whiplash, Ava DuVernay for Selma, David Fincher for Gone Girl, and Alejandro Gonzalez Inari 2 for Birdman. Mm, you know what? I'm calling a Fincher upset. I It would not surprise me, genuinely. The runner-up? is Damien Chazelle for Whiplash. <laughs> okay. Michael, who do you think the winner is? This is a tough one. This is a really, really tough one. I, but I think we're going to say David Fincher here. The winner is Alejandro Gonzalez Inyari 2 oh, for Birdman. I can't believe we did the same thing as the community, but like, wow. So I actually want to just tell you guys exactly how this happened. 
(laughs) (laughs) That means it's got to be a good story. So I'm here for it. So in the case of like the preferential voting, um, there were let, let me put it to you this way. How do I how do I explain this? Just basically know this. Know that like Alejandro, like j- just know that Alejandro won just barely by the skin of his teeth. Basically, is uh, is how I will break it down for you. Like it, w- like it was extremely, extremely close. And uh, I won't tell you who the next runner up was behind uh, Chazelle, but that person also missed by uh, a single vote from us. Mm. Um, And I I worked this math out. Had that other runner up other than Chazelle made it in, the vote distribution would have made that person the winner. So it's just very, very close all around. Exactly. Like like it it could have gone to either one of the, the three. Basically, and just to kill the suspense, uh, because this is the staff, um, the third person was David Fincher for Gone Girl. Makes sense. Best picture time. Last award, 2014. Time to put a bow on it. The community nominees for 2014 MVP Film Community Awards are Birdman, Boyhood, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Interstellar, The Lego Movie, Nightcrawler, Selma, Snowpiercer and Whiplash. Not a bad set. The runner-up is Gone Girl. Okay. And the winner is Whiplash. I was gonna guess Whiplash, and I, I, I don't get it, but you I, do, you community. I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's a great movie. I, I, I'm okay with it. Well, let's see how okay you are with our winners. The nominees for the MVP Film Awards from the staff for 2014 are Birdman, Boyhood, Foxcatcher, Gone Girl, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Interstellar, John Wick, Nightcrawler, Selma, and Whiplash. Michael, what did we do? What did we do? What did we do indeed? Well, I would have to think Birdman is in the top two now. I wouldn't have said that before what we did with the director, but, you know, it just makes sense. So Birdman and see, I keep saying Grand Budapest and it never plays out that way. But maybe with Best Picture. uh, Yeah, Gone Girl. I think it's Birdman runner up, Gone Girl, Best Picture. That's my guess here. I agree with that, Michael. Yeah. The runner up is Whiplash. Wow. I'm so happy for that. I'm so happy for that movie. The winner of the 2014 MVP Film Award for Best Picture voted on by the staff of Next Best Picture is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Wow. Through in the end. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Well done, everyone. Wow. The Grand Budapest Hotel leads the MVP Film Awards with five wins and four runner-ups. Interstellar, four wins, one runner-up. Nightcrawler, four wins. Gone Girl, three wins, three runner-ups. Whiplash, three wins, two runner-ups. Wow. That's like, I truly did not see that coming at the end there. Me neither. Guys, I recounted it three times because I too was like, <laughs> wait a minute. No way. <laughs> I like, I just, just the way that the, because also too, in other categories, um, because I, I actually have like a full breakdown on our end as far as like how each category worked itself out. Yeah. There were times where like Budapest was like shockingly low in certain categories. And there were times where it was shockingly high. And so I was, yeah, it, it, it was, it was definitely baffling to me. <laughs> what 
round did it win on out of curiosity? Oh, it came all the way down to the last one. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, it it really did come between Whiplash and Grand Budapest Hotel as the final two. Like, like Grand Budapest didn't win with two others uh, Mm. still remaining. Mm. Gotta fill out your whole ballot, folks. (laughs) All right, everyone. So that'll do it here for 2014. Uh, we're saying goodbye to that film year. Congratulations to the MVP film community on your winners. Congratulations to the staff of Next Best Picture on your winners as well. And I have a really, really cool announcement to make right now. So back when we started MVP in the uh, fall of the fall of 2016, we we did do like MVP film awards, but they were very, very different. They weren't this style of voting. We did not kind of have like the setup that we have now. And we also didn't include the community either. Uh, we didn't do that until 2017. It was probably very, very foolish of me to have our first uh, MVP film awards and community awards be 2015 instead of just going back to correct 2016. So what I've decided to do since the award season is technically pushed off by two months this year, uh, starting now, uh, we will be putting up 2016 ballots for the community to vote on as well as the staff of Next Best Picture. This way, everything is aligned. We have everything kind of set with this system that we have in place and we have a nice archive for it all. And um, I want to be very, very clear that we're not going to be doing 2016 retrospective podcast reviews the same robust way that we have done for 2015 and 2014, and we will for next year with 2013. But that doesn't mean that we won't do any podcasts at all. So Mm. more to come on that. So excited, and I'm so happy that we're doing this. Just keep in mind, there are a lot of movies that we did review from 2016. From 2016 on the podcast already, but there there are some missing ones in there, uh, primarily before the launch of Next Best Picture in uh, 2016, like right like right before uh, September, essentially. So there are some little nuggets in there uh, that we could talk about. It won't be many, but um, I will keep you guys posted on those for the Patreon listeners and for the staff as well. In the meantime, congratulations, everyone, on 2014. I am looking forward both to 2016 and 2013 in 2021. Same. Yeah, these retrospective reviews and awards have been a real highlight of the year for me. So I'm I can't wait. All right. Last trailer, then questions and we can call it a day. This is a film that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, written, directed, produced, and starring, don't forget this name, people, do not forget this name, Rada Blank. I mean, when I tell you guys Breakout, I really, really, really mean that. The enthusiasm for her film, The 40-Year-Old Version, not Virgin, (laughs) it, it was sensational. I mean, like, blew the roof off the place. It was a crowd pleaser, and I was hoping that Netflix would pick it up because I knew instantly after I saw it that it was definitely a Netflix type of movie. And sure enough, they picked it up. We got a trailer for it. Let's take a look and give some thoughts. Any more thought on what kind of play we want to write? Remember, if you put in nothing, it'll be nothing. Like your career? Remember this face? She was one of Spotlight Magazine's 30 under 30 playwrights to watch. We watched, but where'd she go? How are you? Good. Archie tells me you're teaching. 
How somebody who ain't had no real hit gonna tell me how to write a play? She ain't no Tyler Perry. I did win a 30 under 30 award. Yes, it was quite a couple of years ago. What do I gotta do? Write a slave musical, an all white play? This some bullshit. It rang a little inauthentic. I asked myself, did a black person really write this? This some fucking bullshit, bullshit. Think about me doing hip hop. Doing what to it? I want to make a mixtape about the 40-year-old woman's point of view. Why my skin so dry? Why am I yawning right now? Why them AARP niggas sending shit to my house? This is 40. Hey, your mom, what you need? <clears throat> Beats, tracks. For what? For me. Yo, here's a little story about a girl who's black. Let's add some asthma attacks from all the courtyard crack. Yo, no happy blacks in the plot lines, please. But a crane shot a big mama crying on her knees. Yo, yo, Rodimus Prime, 40 year old version. Go, Rodimus. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> this is about creating something that is mine. You're not just talking about shit. You're making shit. Shit. I got you. You don't think I'm some crazy old girl for doing this? I mean, I ain't say all that. 40-year-old version. White man with a black woman's butt. How you carry all that back there? What the fuck? Yes, what the fuck? I, she really does look incredible in this. And I... I love that, you know, she's writer, director, star, and just her voice, it pops, even in the trailer. Yeah. I'm so glad this is coming to Netflix so that, you know, not everyone's able or ready to go back to the theater. We could all still see this movie in the fall. It looks really good. I am I, really digging, like, the tone that it's going for and the character study and that it's revolving around. It looks like it's a really interesting movie. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's funny. It's got a great uh, character at the center of it based on her uh, real-life experiences as well. My, my, my only really slight complaint about the movie was I thought it was a little long. And I also was hoping that they would maybe change the title of the movie because I didn't want there to be, you know searches or comparisons or anything like that to the four-year-old virgin obviously a very similar sounding title but the title itself the 40-year-old version plays into the story and actually is like something that they couldn't possibly change in my opinion and you'll you guys will see why when mm. you see the movie well i mean and that's kind of the point too isn't it that it's a takeoff on the 40-year-old virgin because that is such a at this point it's a well-known phrase at least i i i I can't confirm that i don't i don't know if that's like uh i don't know if that was a thing so i can't i can't say that for sure Mm. i do think it's interesting though that you know this isn't a judd apatow movie but it certainly does have the runtime of a judd apatow movie yeah 
Yeah, definitely. And the black and white photography, too, I think is uh, really, really nice in it as well. I wouldn't say it's anything stunning on the level of like an Eda or anything like that. But as far as just uh, from an aesthetic point of view and like what it like aids to the story, I think it works very, very well. I got almost like a, an early Spike Lee vibe I'm from the cinematography. Just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that might be uh, deliberate uh, as well. Um, but overall, it was one of the most joyous, crowd-pleasing movies that I saw at Sundance early this year. It was one of the few films that I was anxiously, anxiously, anxiously hoping would get picked up and so that you guys could get a chance to see it. And like I said, she is going to be a massive star, I think, because her talent, uh, not just with the writing, the directing, her performance in the movie, like it's just it, it, it's incredible. I, truly, truly like a, a breakout like star, like really has arrived on the scene with this. And um, yeah, I just can't I cannot wait for you all to see it. It's in my top five of the year so far still looking forward to it all right let's close things out with the community here let's answer some questions and let's put a wrap on this episode so let's take a look and see what we have here uh titus banks asks with the tragic passing of chadwick boseman this weekend which celebrity death impacted you the most or left the biggest gut punch for you Mm -hmm. i robin williams that one hurt Yeah, yeah i agree I remember I was seeing a movie. I can't even remember what movie it was, but I remember walking out the theater and looking at my phone and that news came up and it, I literally felt like dizzy walking back to my car. Like things were literally in a haze for me in terms of trying to process that. Yeah, that one was really rough. One that really impacted me was just a few weeks later and that was the sudden death of Joan Rivers. Mm-hmm. I think I think the reason why Robin like impacted me a lot was just because uh, his comedy brought such joy to all of us and, you know, always like a very um, warm and kind and like just really enthusiastic presence, a one of a kind talent and performer for sure. And to know that that was going to be gone, I, I think, like really. That, that, that really hurt a lot. I mean, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, mostly because he was just such an extraordinary actor, too. And that was the same year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them were the same year. 2014 was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just knowing that they were still because he he had he was very young as well. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was still a lot more left in the tank for him to give us in terms of great performances. He would still be giving us great performances still to this day. Uh, yeah. For sure. You know, also and, that year we talked about how bad the deaths were in 2014 it ended with the death of mike nichols that was another horrible one mm. and sudden yeah yeah so uh, that, that, i don't want to relive that ever again terrible yeah let's move on to a different question evan mckenzie asks uh the great cinematographer greg frazier is shooting dune do you think he will get a nomination and do you think he has a chance of winning i don't know about winning but i think you know after what we saw with 2049 and how they respond to the style of denis villeneuve i have no reason to think this won't you know stack up nomination in the text. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, hasn't every movie of his since, um, what prisoners hasn't it gotten nominated for cinematography? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and enemy didn't, uh, well, but that was the same year as prisoners. Wasn't it? Uh, I think it was 2014. Well, it, it, it's one of those things where I think it came out internationally yeah. in 2013, so, but came out here. 14 sure. So it's, yeah, I mean, you can like kind of discard that one, I think. But for the most part, I think all his movies do end up in the conversation for cinematography. Yeah. I mean, when you work with Roger Deakins most of the time, it, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> True, but he didn't have Deakins on Arrival, Arrival, and that still got in. Yeah. yeah. And that had stunning cinematography. Yeah. 
New Mutant from Polish Swamps asks, uh, what do you think the Oscar winners would look like from 2001 if, like at Berlin Ale, uh, the actor and actress uh, awards were abandoned and gender neutral awards were introduced instead? Hmm. I, 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 I really, uh, like, I don't want to be a pessimist here, but it, it, it'd be men. Yeah. 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 So are, are they talking about, you know, still having lead and supporting split or? Yes. I, uh, yes. But, yeah. but no male or female separation of the categories. Yeah. I, I think they wouldn't, of course. Yeah. Mostly be men based on what we've seen with this Academy and what they like and how things are done. It just, you know. Yeah, I, me I totally sympathize with the perspective of getting rid of um, gendered acting categories. But, but yeah, yeah, I just <laughs> I do not have confidence that we are at the point now where we can evenly distribute the winners between um, men and women. I, I just don't think that we're yeah. there. I mean, even if I look back from 2010, I think that the only woman who would have stood a chance at winning either a lead or supporting trophy is Kate Blanchett for Blue Jasmine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just think that the men would just dominate. And yeah. I, like I said, I, I sympathize with the viewpoint. I think it's an important conversation to have, but I think that it's very complicated. Yeah. Cole Palmer asks, just watched Loose. I cannot believe that movie was overlooked by the Academy. What films, after viewing them for the first time, were you certain going to get Oscar nominations but ultimately didn't pan out? Could be due to a marketing strategy of a film, timing of release, etc. Uh, I, I, I actually joined the chorus on that. I remember seeing yeah. Loose at Sundance and thinking Octavia Spencer was a nominee for supporting. I remember thinking the screenplay was going to get in. I was very 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 sure that that movie was going to be something and yeah it didn't happen <laughs> and it's an incredible movie it i it i don't know what happened to that yeah. genuinely you, know, you mentioned octavia spencer and that kind of reminded me that i sort of felt the same thing about fruitvale station when i saw that i i really did think that was oh, going to yeah. be a big thing that just never happened i really thought even though it did get a handful of nominations i thought first man was going to be a real thing with acting and directing and best picture and screenplay. And it just was not to be. I, uh, I also, if I look back on last year, I, I mean, I, I can look at the farewell and uncut gems to a 24 films as movies that I thought would have done a lot better, but, um, alas, <laughs> especially yeah. farewell. Oh, that, that one really, it, it hurts. <laughs> yeah. I it's the same for me. I can go back to last year and I really thought after the success of can you ever forgive me that Marielle Heller's uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood would have gotten more than just Tom Hanks. Um, but it was not to be because Sony had other priorities. Christopher Roberts asks, Living in Australia, I was finally able to go see Tenet this past week, and I was quite disappointed. Well, you don't have to rub it in. <laughs> yeah. Like, but they were disappointed, though. Hold on. So, so? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What films from your favorite directors made you disappointed or didn't live up to the hype? Hmm. Well, speaking of 2014, I for me, it would have to be like PTA's Inherent Vice, considering how much I am such a huge fan of him in general and walking out that movie, I felt so deflated that I didn't love it. I'm with you on that one, Josh. Trying to think in recent memory. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, it's not recent, but you know, within this century, 
I am not a fan whatsoever of Martin Scorsese's Gangs of New York. I'm actually going to say Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Like, the heart, Dan. <laughs> I No, it was one of those things where like, I liked it, but there was something missing. Yeah, I me. get that. And like, I couldn't, I mean, maybe it's because I'm just not a dog person, but yeah, I, it was one of those things where like, I, I, the, I mean, the production design on that movie is outstanding and I even like the score, but it was, something was missing. It felt too overly directed, maybe, I don't know, but it didn't work for me. What are, I'm sorry, Dad, that's a weird complaint for a Wes Anderson I, movie. <laughs> I know, but like, it felt overly controlled and even when it's supposed to be manic, I, it, I don't know. It, it didn't work. Richard Houlihan asks with Benny Safdie acting in Paul Thomas Anderson's next film, who's a director you would like to see act in movies more often. This used to be a thing where directors, you know, would go and act in other people's movies. And it was wonderful to see like Sidney Pollack would show up in, you know, films and TV shows done by other people. So, yeah, Sidney Pollack was still alive. That would be my answer because I actually really love his performances. Yeah. <laughs> I love him, especially in um, Tootsie. Oh, yeah. Tootsie, Death Becomes Her too, for that like little scene. He's so great. Yeah, I, I'm going through a list of you know people who I think I, you know who would actually be a great screen presence. I don't know if they've ever done it, but you know they had the energy and charisma to you know do something like that. Barry Jenkins. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Oh, you know what? I I think I have a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Spike Jones. Oh my gosh! Yes. I'm gonna just I'm just gonna quote yeah. Wolf of Wall Street and say, and I hope it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, I want to see I want to see the Coen's act in a movie. That would be something special. <laughs> Scott Kernan asks, uh, with the award season looming, what is one shocking Oscar win that you feel can truly happen given the circumstances that we are living in? Um, okay, I'll go there. Elizabeth Moss. I will I I mean depending I'm going to use the word circumstances in a broad right, context yeah. here cuz that can apply to <laughs> a lot and I'll just say I made the switch uh, early yesterday morning. Uh, Chadwick Boseman for supporting oh. actor from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah, uh, I, I think that is a part that had he still been with us would have gotten him his first nomination just because it's such a terrific part to begin with. The Tony winning part. Yeah, but knowing what we know now and, you know, seeing how it would be a wonderful way to honor his legacy. I think, you know, that's a narrative that pretty much writes itself right off the bat. And I also think it will push Netflix to uh, not even think about putting Delroy Lindo in supporting. And I think they will put him lead now as a result. Uh, Which he is. Good. So he is a lead. But uh, yeah, I just think it kills any conversation on that, in my opinion. But he, oh, here's hoping. Yeah, I, I can't That's wait for- to see Bob Rainey's Black Bottom. That is going to be something really special between what he's going to give us in the final performance and what I know Viola Davis is capable of. God, mm-hmm. that, that's going to be one of the highlights of the fall. I could just see it now. Yeah. And you know what? I if we can get our first pair of African-American winners in the acting categories in, in 19 years and supporting, that would be really nice. Even May. The movies below got Oscar nominations, but didn't win a single one. What would you give them a win for? But you were knowingly replacing the winner of that year. Mm. 
God, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna use this one first just for laughs uh, to rub it in Michael's face. Gangs of New York. <laughs> Ew, no, nothing. No, you have to pick something. That's the game. No, I don't. Dan, you always do this with me. Just play the game. Well, I know. Give thinking. it something. You know, I don't like it as a movie, uh, but there's certainly good technical elements there. I would easily give it production design. Wait, in a heartbeat. What Same year thing, was Matt. that? 2002. 2002. So you're taking it away from so, Chicago. Right. Oh, I can't do that. Um, yeah, I can't do that either. But you know what? I might give it. Hold on. I got to look at the nominees. I mean, if I didn't do that, then I would say Daniel Day-Lewis over Adrian Brody. Okay. Uh, did it make it in for makeup and hairstyling? No. Okay. There were only two nominees that year. Yeah. I think it was uh, Time Machine and Frida. Yeah. But you know what? I would I would give it costume design over Chicago. I would be I'd be okay. happy with either one. Yeah. Oh goodness gracious. See, I give everything to Chicago. That's the thing. Come on, Michael. If, Chicago if can a, lose one of them. <laughs> if you had a gun to my head, and I truly mean that, if you had a gun to my head and said Gangs in New York has to take production design over Chicago. I would say, please don't shoot. Okay. With my fingers crossed behind my back. <laughs> well, speaking of a gun to your head, another Martin Scorsese film, The Irishman. Okay. Well, that one I actually would give a win to. So that's appropriate. Uh, I'm going to look at my lineup here. What did I give it a win for? I would give it editing over Ford v. Ferrari. I, would, I mean, I wouldn't pick Ford, but I would also say Paris. I should have won that. I would have yeah. given it supporting actor. I, that's what I was going to say, too, honestly. Pacino or Pesci? Pesci. Uh, Pacino for me. <laughs> I would go Pesci. <laughs> I would go Pacino. Uh, I'll say editing. American Hustle. American Hustle, I would say Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I think I would too. I Or no, wait, no. That's not true. That's a lie. <laughs> mm. wait, you know wait, what? It was that 2012? 2013. 2013. 2013. Yeah. But I would actually give it costume design. And I uh, that was going to be my answer. But that's the Costume one. design is good. I'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I totally forgot it didn't get makeup and hairstyling. That's insane that it did not. Get yeah, I know. If it had, it totally would have won. It would. I agree. The Elephant Man. Oh. Uh, what year was nineteen eighty? I, I okay, fine. I'd give it best director. That is actually a really really tough one. What um, one production design in eighty? Called um, art direction. Let's see. Yeah, that was art that direction. Was, set oh, test. test one. Yeah, uh, test one. Uh, costume design, art direction. Oh man, I okay. I think I can give it to the Elephant Man over Tess for art direction. Yeah, I think I could do that because I love um, John Hurt in it, obviously. But I, I mean, going up against De Niro. De Niro. No, Ball, I can't. I can't do that. No, can't do that. I I would. You know what I would do? I would give it to Lynch over Redford and still yeah. at least have ordinary people win picture. At least you know I, I yeah. would do that split. I, I would also do uh, production design slash art direction. It, it also sucks that this was before the um, the yeah. makeup and hairstyling award, and they didn't even give it a special achievement for that, which they really should have. But it is yeah. the movie that forced them to create it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The category did get created as a result mm-hmm. of it, though. And the last one, broadcast news. Broadcast. Ooh. News. Oh, that's that's a tough one. Oh. I'm giving it to Albert Brooks for supporting actor. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. But I can't take it against Sean Connery, though. I can't vote against James Bond. Like, it's, wait, it's hold on. What, what year was that? Eighty-seven. This is the uh, Last yep. Emperor Moonstruck year. Yeah, yeah. Sean Connery um, won for Untouchables. Okay, for I, I can't. I can't take that away from him either. <laughs> All right, I. 
Oh, I'm gonna do... I am going to do original screenplay over Moonstruck. <laughs> no. no! I know, no, no, I know, no, no, I know, no, no. I know. I'm just like... I, oh. You know what? Maybe... Uh, no. Oh, man. Because no. I can't do actress. Yeah, I, I, I can't. Like, Wait, honestly... editing... It was... Yeah, I do it for do best actor. Why don't you give it to William Hurt over Michael Douglas? Do because editing. William Hurt's already got his Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman. I don't okay, need Okay, Michael Douglas too. already got his for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's a good point. But not for acting. That does not count, Michael. And also, well, like, Wall Street is a really great performance from Michael Douglas. The movie, not so much, but he's really good in it. Okay, here's what you do. You give it to William Hurt, give him a second Oscar, have Michael Douglas wait until 2000 and give it to him for Wonder Boys, nominate him and give it to him, and then Russell Crowe could win a year later for A Beautiful Mind. Or you release Behind the Candelabra in theaters and give it yes, to him. Yes, that, that works for me, too. Absolutely. Or why don't I just give it Best Picture over The Last Emperor? I was about to say that, too. <laughs> well, because Moonstruck is the best picture of that year. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm not taking it from Moonstruck. I'm taking it from The Last Emperor. I know. But that's what I'm saying. I would genuinely give it film editing. That's fair. Of those nominees. All right. Snap out of it. <laughs> and the last question here today from the underscore film underscore maniac Oscar age is as of right now, what is winning best picture? Oh, uh. (laughs) okay. So I just did an update myself and and I backed off of West side story, but I'm still a crazy person right now because at this moment I am saying soul. That's actually a pretty good choice and also ties into that other question earlier of given the circumstances, what like kind of prediction are you willing to make right now? I think that soul given the year that we have experienced, um, not just with the pandemic, but also too with black lives matter and everything else. I really think soul has a really, really, really good shot more so than any animated film, maybe since uh, I, I, I don't even know when, you know, might have the best shot ever of any animated film to do it. You know, what I'll say about that is we have spent years saying that an animated film can't even make the lineup unless it's a year of 10 because of how the voting system works. This is one, given the circumstances of this year and all that we're living through. If it's good enough, I could see it breaking into at least the lineup and we could have that win conversation later. Uh, My prediction for best picture is the trial of the Chicago Seven? That's my. That's mine too, right now, Michael. Yeah, it just seems to fit the moment. Netflix fits in with you know everything we've experienced this year, including an upcoming election. It you know seems like the safe Academy pick, maybe in the Venus Spotlight or something like that. I agree. That's that's why it's my choice currently at the moment as well. And, you know, who knows what will happen with Sorkin and director and screenplay. Uh, but screenplay, you know, sounds like it could be a, a get for it, which could tie into the picture win as well. I mean, here's something I'm going to just say in regards to Soul. How insanely incredible would it be if a year after Parasite, uh, you know, an animated film now wins Best Picture and then all we have left is a documentary at that point? You know? I, it, it would make me so happy um so 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 happy i'm still i'm still until proven otherwise saying mank okay yeah makes sense i it's a it's soft fincher is currently still the director front runner for most people so i mean that definitely yeah. makes a lot of sense i mean that could also be a cinematography winner the black and white you yeah. know uh there, there's a lot going for it there but the one the one that i'm the I think is up and coming and, but we really won't know until we see it 
is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Sure. Because, good lord, that trailer caused quite the stir. Absolutely. And we have a release date. When when did they say? January. They said January? That's what I heard this past week, unless that was false information. Hang on, I'm going to look it up just to confirm. I didn't hear that, so that's awesome if, if that's true. Yeah. I saw it yesterday. Hang on. I'm not crazy. Because on IMDb, it says expected January 29th. Yeah, but we, that's not confirmed. Okay, yeah. well, okay, well, then we'll keep it on the back burner. Sorry to get everyone's hopes up. But, you know, if it's listed there. See, I didn't see the expected part. I was just looking on IMDb and saw January 29th. Yeah, I noticed that too, but then it said expected. So it doesn't sound like it's confirmed for that date, but... I mean, it's it would make sense. Keep an eye out. Yeah. You know what? The one we definitely we definitely got a release date for was uh, United States versus Billy Holiday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be uh, late February, so right before the cutoff. Oh, that's interesting. Well, there's still a lot of time ahead for us. Uh, there's a lot of time ahead for Next Best Picture as well. Um, happy four years, everyone. It has been a crazy ride, uh, to say the least. A ride that I didn't realize was going to be uh, this big. But uh, it's one that I've really, really enjoyed writing uh, alongside all of you. So uh, thank you, especially Michael, for being here uh, since day one of the podcast and everything else. Uh, And Josh and Dan for just being such fixtures on this podcast and also within the community and everything else that you all do. And a huge shout out to all the other contributing members of Next Best Picture as well. Um, I want to thank you all very, very much. And Michael, where can I find you on the Internet? Well, before I get into that, I just want to say thank you. Matt, for all that you've done over these past four years. You know, this started out as a very ragtag operation with uh, you, me, and Will Mavity. We, you know, got our minds together and made this thing happen and learned as we went and built an amazing team along the way. You know, Josh and Dan, you've been with us uh, for a couple of years now, and it's just been so great to find this community and make Next Best Picture what it is. So I appreciate everyone from Matt for building it, for all of our contributors for coming on, and of course, all of our readers and listeners for engaging with us. It's because of you that we keep doing this. So it's a really, really great thing. We had our first episode as the light between oceans, which, you know, looking back four years later, it's almost like a metaphor for social distancing. Who would have thought? <laughs> but uh, you know, we, we really, you know, have done all those reviews and podcasts and written pieces and i think we've really you know made this website and our mission our own so it's been a great great ride and you can find me on twitter at m schwartz 95 thank you josh parham where can you find you uh you can find me on twitter at jr parham dan bear you can find me on twitter at dancing dan on film and you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 209 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we shall see you all next time.